reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves, where he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, conversing with him. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud cast a shadow over them. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell prostrate and were very much afraid. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and do not be afraid. And when the disciples raised their eyes, they saw no one else but Jesus alone. As they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, Do not tell the vision to anyone until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. The children want to come up for a children's homily. That's right, this is my children. Yes, come on up. Oh, we're going to have fun this morning. What's that? It's a balloon. <laughs> That's right. Got sparkles all over you. Um, okay, today we're going to do something really kind of interesting. This is a balloon, that's a plate, and these are, I've got some little pieces of paper here. Ah, here we go. Let's put some of these on the plate. Now, we see all of this as solid objects, right? We kind of see the whole world as solid objects. But actually, what we learn in science class is that they're all made up of charges of energy. Did you, have you all heard that in science class yet? Yeah, they're made up of charges and energy, and there are positive and negative charges, and the negative charges are on the outside, and the positive charges are on the inside, and whoop, 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 whoop. Oh, this balloon's trying to run away because it knows what I'm about to do to it. So, I'm going to do this. I'm going to rub it with some wool, and what I'm doing is I'm knocking off some of those electric energy charges, those negative energy charges, off of the surface of this balloon. I come up here and let's just see what happens. Now I'm going to run this across the paper and look at that. Why did the paper come up and join the balloon? It's kind of like magic, isn't it? And that's because the different charges of energy, positive, the negative charges that I rubbed off on the balloon need more negative charges off the surface of the paper. And so, it makes them jump up like that and stick. In fact, here, I might get, did I get your hair to stand up? No, no, I didn't. I have to, I have to rub off some more electrons to make this work, right? Oh, Mark's going to love it. I'm going to have all kinds of paper for him to vacuum up. Here, I have to rub it on the wool sock and not on my, nah, I'm not, I need, I guess I need a new balloon, need some fresh electrons for this. But sometimes you do this and you rub it on your head. I can feel it, actually, on my hair. 
but you can't see my hair standing up because I don't have enough. So, we don't see these charges, do we? No, they're invisible. But what if we could see these charges? What would the world look like if we saw all the energy charges that every, everybody and everything is made up of? That's kind of what happened in the gospel today. Remember where the story says that Jesus was transfigured, which is a big fancy word, but that he became like light. He became light. The apostles saw Jesus as he truly was, as full of God's glory. And the, all the energy of God flowed through his being and they could see it. And he became light before them. That's really pretty cool, isn't it? And Jesus warned them, he says, don't tell anybody about this until after I've risen from the dead. And then it makes sense when you realize that Jesus is God who is light. And the apostles got to see him as light on the day of the transfiguration, which was the gospel. So think about that, that there's all this energy in everything, which is, in a sense, God's presence in all of us and in all things. Okay, you can go back to your seats now, and I'm going to talk to your parents a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about this experience that the disciples had. And there are lots of things we can share about it. But um, what I want to do today is I want to talk about this as a glimpse into Jesus' prayer life. Now, as we know, we read, we've all read the Gospels, and we know that Jesus was constantly going out by himself to pray, wasn't he? In the evening, he'd sometimes he'd go out to a solitary place, he'd pray by himself all night long. There are times he sent the apostles ahead, and then he went by himself someplace to pray, and then caught up with him later. Jesus is always going to pray by himself. And the apostles really didn't know what he was doing during these times, but this is an instance where Jesus wanted these three disciples, Peter, James, and John, to witness his prayer life so that after he had risen from the dead, he could pass that information on to the church so that we would know about this amazing event in Jesus' Jesus's life. And so I want to talk about the dance of prayer. There is a dance to prayer. And it's a dance in which we take two steps and then God takes two steps and then we embrace. This is the dance of prayer. Now the two steps that we take, we see Jesus taking in this gospel today. And that first step is the step of solitude. That we come to God in quietness, in stillness, and alone to pray. Now, obviously, that is not to negate the fact that we all want to come together and pray as a family, in Mass, or in your own families, to gather with, with your husbands, wives, with your children, and to pray together as a family within your own family, to gather together and pray together with your friends. Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered together, there I am in the midst of them. So communal prayer is extremely important. But so is this solitary prayer, this prayer in which we come to God alone. 
and in finding God, embrace him. One of the things that uh, St. Teresa of Avila, of course, who lived in a convent, was constantly surrounded by her, her fellow nuns. To find her solitude, she said she used to close her eyes and create this little inner closet in which it was just she and the Lord alone. And this is a wonderful way to find our solitude even in the midst of others. In fact, you probably notice I do that sometimes in Mass. I close my eyes when I'm praying because it just becomes me and God for a little while. It's like our own little prayer closet that we create. We shut out our senses, which are constantly distracting us, leading us to this way or that way, and just focus on God alone. And that's an important aspect of prayer, to come to God in that solitude. And the second step we take in this dance is the step of submission giving ourselves to God. See, so often we come to God in prayer with our lists, don't we? It's like we're calling God, come here, God, I've got, I've got some things I want you to do. And we tell God what we want him to do. And that's okay. But Jesus said he knows our needs before we ask him, so why do we give him these lists? God knows what we need. God knows where our lives are. Instead, come to God in submission, seeking what God wants from us rather than what from we want from God. Now, Jesus lived a life of submission, but he is preparing at this point to go to Jerusalem to face his passion and the cross. That was a hard thing even for Jesus to submit to. But he did, strengthened by times like this when he comes to the Father alone to pray and to submit himself to God. One of my favorite prayers actually comes from the wedding ceremony. You know, Jesus is always referring to himself as the bride and, excuse me, as the bridegroom and us as his bride. That we have a nuptial relationship with Jesus. And so from the wedding ceremony, there's this beautiful place where the, the groom says to the bride, all that I am and all that I have, I give to you. And the bride responds, all that I am and all that I have, I give to you. And in my own prayer life, a lot of times I, I pray that prayer, and sometimes I give that prayer as, as penance. Maybe someone come to me for confession, you wound up with that as prayer as penance that we submit ourselves to God with that simple prayer from the marriage ceremony. All that I am and all that I have, I give to you, Jesus. And you know, when we do that, he responds the same way and says, all that I am and all that I have, I give to you. Prayer is that experience where we submit fully to Christ. We give him all that we are and all that we have, and he gives to us all that he is and all that he has. Well, what a tremendous bargain, right? Because <laughs> I don't know about you, but when I come to prayer, I usually come to, to God is, with brokenness and with poverty and really without much to offer but my own confusion. And Jesus gives to me the light of life, the truth, and eternal life, fullness, abundance, peace, and joy. 
So we come to God in prayer and submission. Those are the two steps we take in this dance of prayer. And then God takes his steps. And we see this in this transfiguration. When we come to God in solitude and in submission, God's presence is made manifest. The reality of God in our midst is known. We know God is with us. And that's what happened on the Mount of Transfiguration. God appears in the brightness of the cloud. And with him the saints and the angels, right? Elijah and Moses are there, representing the law and the prophets. All of the, all of the faithful prior to Jesus, in, his, in a sense, are there with him at that moment. And Moses and Elijah are comforting Jesus and guiding him. It says they're guiding him for the exodus that he is to undertake in Jerusalem. Recalling the exodus of the slaves of Egypt who were led into freedom by Moses. And Jesus is going to lead those of us who are enslaved into this material world, into the freedom of the eternal world, the freedom of God's presence. But one of the things about an exodus, exodus, of course, exodus, hexodos, is the Greek word for the way out. And the slaves of Egypt, they made the way out of Egypt and stepped into the desert, right? But they didn't take the way in. Christ calls us not only the way out of this world, but to the way into the world to come. The Israelites were afraid to enter the promised land, and so they died in the desert. It was the next generation that came into the promised land. But Jesus, when he undertakes his exodus in Jerusalem, he leads us out of slavery to this material world, but into the fullness of God's presence in eternal life. God makes that first dance step and his presence is made real. His presence is known by us. And then the final dance step taken by God in this dance of prayer is his word is spoken. We hear the voice of God. God gives us his instructions in our life. God gives us courage perseverance. God gives us guidance. He shepherds us as the good shepherd. God speaks into our lives. Carlo Corretto, who was a uh, Catholic priest in uh, Italy back in the 1940s and 50s and was a, a very, very well-to-do priest. He, he was a monsignor. He was the head of Catholic youth throughout Italy for 20 years, obviously, and he, and he was in line to become a bishop and, and, that, and perhaps even a cardinal. He was um, very well respected, but he heard the call of God into the desert. And so he left behind all of his status. He left behind all of his work, and he went to the Sahara, where he lived for years in solitude of prayer. And he did this because the church was in crisis. The Catholic Church in the 40s and 50s, having 
just come out of the Second World War, and actually the First World War was still in memory, where you had Catholic nation battling against Catholic nation, where you had fascism in Italy, you had communism in various parts of the world, places like Portugal that had voted in a communist government, and, and, and communism was making a spread in, in Italy as well, and there was... Um, the church was in crisis, and the question everybody was asking was, is the church still relevant? Does the church have anything to say to the modern world, to this world that is killing each other so rapidly? And so Carlo Coretta went into the desert to pray. He wrote a wonderful book called Letters from the Desert. You might want to read that sometime. But in that booklet, he says, the solution to crisis is contemplation. The solution to crisis is the prayer of solitude in which we can hear God's voice. Because I don't know about you, but if you've ever faced a crisis in your life, I've faced quite a few, and you know what happens as soon as you face a crisis? Everybody's got some advice for you, right? Everybody tells you how to get out of it. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's there to say, well, this is what you need to do. That's what you need to do. And Father Coretto said, stop listening. Stop listening to the world. Listen to God. Hear what God has to say to you. And he encouraged us all in this book to take maybe just an hour a month out of our busy lives, take one hour to go to this solitude of prayer that Jesus leads the way at this Mount of Transfiguration to go into solitude of prayer so that we can hear God speak to us. What would our lives, how would our lives be changed if even just now and then we heard God's voice to us to give us direction through that spiritual intuition that we know what God wants and we know the direction he would take us. How would our lives change? So in this beautiful dance in which we dance with God in prayer, we make our two steps to God in solitude and in submission. And then God takes his two steps in manifesting his presence with his saints and with his angels and giving us his word, speaking to us, giving us the grace to listen to what God has to say to me, to you. I find that God is always trying to communicate with us in so many beautiful ways. But we fail to hear so many times because we don't take those first two steps of solitude and submission. But he is always there to speak whenever we are there to listen.